Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, where it reads this. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O you, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, and you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but there is none warm. And he that earns wages earns wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is waste. And you run every man into his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. I want to preach a message this morning out of verse 5 of Haggai chapter 1 with the subject, Consider Your Ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every heart be open to instruction this morning. That every heart receive that instruction, that every heart believe that instruction. And then, Lord, that every heart obey that instruction. Father, I pray in the name of your son, Jesus, to thank you for giving us an answer to prayer yet once again with this message. You are giving us the direction we sought for and because of that, Lord, you are faithful to your word, and you provide. 
You've provided it to us once again. Father, use this message to give us the leading and guidance that we need now to go forward in your kingdom. And Father, so that your will is done and you receive the glory you deserve, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was led to this message this morning because of a couple of things, but I want to you to understand that your salvation and your sanctification has a process and it has a product, okay? It produces something. There's a process of a person coming to salvation. There's a process of a person being sanctified. I want you to understand that once you come to Jesus, that process starts to make your life line up with his will, okay? Not just his will, but his character. In other words, the Lord starts working on us the day we give our heart to him. We have opened the door, and he has come in, and now he wants to make changes. That's the sanctification process. Positionally, you're heaven-bound. Positionally, you're in Christ. Positionally, you're saved. Positionally, all the promises of God are open unto you. But our position doesn't always match our condition. Our condition many times lacks the sanctification, the holiness that it should possess. We are to possess this sanctification. Now, Although salvation is a one-time deal, it happens and it's an event and you're saved. You're now in the, in the presence of God. You can stay in the presence of God the rest of your life. Even though that's an event that happens at a certain time and it only needs to happen once, sanctification is different. Sanctification is a process. And this is the process that I want to tell you about. Why do I want you to know this process? It's real simple. Look what this says. This says that your faith in God, if you will consider your ways, if your faith in God, when it is right, when you are in the will of God and following the will of God, blessings are poured out upon you. And that's for saved and unsaved people. If a person will come to Jesus, they give their hearts to the Lord, they're doing what he wants, then what happens? Blessings are poured out. But unsaved people can be blessed too, just by following the concepts or the precepts of the Word of God. Really, they can. It doesn't mean they're saved, but it does mean that if they follow the advice, the direction of the Bible, they will experience blessings. Right? A saved person, too. I hope they understand that you can be saved and not receive the blessings of God. Okay? Why? Because you don't follow the word of God after you've given your heart to the Lord. What's this all about, this following 
the, the, the Lord. Well, first of all, the reason I'm telling you about it, and I, the reason I want you to consider your ways is because I want you to receive all the blessings God has for you. And I'm going to tell you how this works. I'm going to tell you the process, and I'm going to tell you the product. Okay? The process is real simple. And I think that it's easy to remember the process that leads us to salvation and the process that leads us through sanctification. I think we can remember it best by something that Charles Finney taught. He says the five C's, the letter C's, the five C's of your salvation experience, okay? And what are those? Well, let's start with the first one. The first one is conviction. Without conviction, there cannot be a change in your life. You can't get saved, and, and you can't uh, follow the Lord. You can't experience these blessings. Without conviction, conviction always comes first. Why? Because we always need a change. You tell me any time in your life that you didn't need a change. And I'll tell you, you just are ignorant of the fact that you needed a change. You needed one. You just didn't know it. So what makes us so that we're no longer ignorant of the change that needs to be made to bring us in to the grace of God? Conviction does. Conviction. So, how do we receive conviction? Basically, we're told we're wrong. The Word of God will do that if you read it. You'll probably be able to pick out a lot of things that are wrong in your life. It is supposed to be like a mirror. It's supposed to be a reflection or give you a reflection of yourself. Because there's two reflections in this. One is a reflection of God. You receive a re revelation of him. The second is a revelation of yourself. The reflection of yourself when you look in it. So you can read the, the Bible in a couple ways. You can read it and allow it to change your life. That word is powerful. More powerful than a two-edged sword, cutting down to the sunder, even to the very soul. In other words, it'll bring all the dirt out that needs to be brought out. Who wants to do that? Well, Isaiah tells us, if, if you have sin in your life, come to him. He, he will make that sin white as snow. In other words, he'll take the sin away. Praise God, right? Yeah. But I'm not talking about just for salvation. I'm talking about every failure that we experience. Every time we step outside of the will of God. See, most people look at the Ten Commandments and say, I followed all of them. Not realizing, yeah, you're not supposed to do those wrong things. But you are supposed to do what God leads you to do today. There are the don'ts and the do's, and the church concentrates on the don'ts, and they avoid the don'ts, and they claim they don't do the don'ts, but they also don't do the do's. We got to do the do's. 
What are those? Well, whatever God has planned for your day. So this sanctification process is all the time. God right now is trying to straighten you out. He right now is saying, consider your ways, right now. You've come in here in a certain condition, God wants you to leave in a better condition. He wants to sanctify you through the Word. The Word tells you you're wrong. Anyone can tell you you're wrong. Am I right? We've got a lot of rights and wrongs going on here. Anyone can tell you that you're wrong, but that doesn't make you wrong. But the Word of God, when it tells you you're wrong, you're wrong. So what do people do with it? Well, first of all, they'll avoid it. They'll go to the churches where the preacher has not the, the power of the Holy Spirit preaching through them, has not the power of conviction in them, that makes them feel good when they sit there, when they have no reason to feel good. You should never feel good about yourself. If you feel good about anything, feel good about Jesus. That he's in your life, that he's in your home, that he's at work with you. That he is wherever you go. Stop resisting the Holy Spirit and what he wants done in your life. I'll tell you what gift that is. You should know what that gift was, that one right there. Because people are resisting right now. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. So the word of God says, I'm wrong. Then you're wrong. So the first C is conviction. If the preacher doesn't preach with Holy Ghost power, there won't be any conviction. You won't know you're wrong. If you don't know you're wrong, you can't go to the next stage, which is confession. Okay? You go from conviction, you need to accept it, or you can't keep on going down this scale. This process doesn't get finished. Okay? It won't get finished. If you stop at conviction, you won't accept it, you won't receive it. Well, then you go no far farther in the sanctification process as a believer and in the salvation process as an unbeliever. Okay? So what's the second one? Confession. Now, confession has to do with repentance. Repentance means you don't just say you're sorry, you turn away from the wrong that you did and not want to do it again. That's repentance. So confession admits you're wrong and repents of it, okay? So you can go to stage three. Stage three is cleansing. So if you made it past stage one, you made it past stage one, you heard the word of God, the Holy Ghost was in it, and you're convicted. You know you're wrong. So you can do a lot of things like try to justify your wrong. You can do a lot of things like say the preacher's wrong. You can even say that's not what that word means. You do a lot of things. But if you do accept it, and then you confess that you're wrong, then Jesus will cleanse you. you won't, if you won't repent, you won't confess, then you can't be cleansed. 
And cleansing doesn't come just any old way. Cleansing comes only one way, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, that blood he shed on the cross of Calvary. His death, burial, and resurrection will bring you cleansing, and nothing else will. The church can hold conferences. Conferences don't bring the cleansing that the blood does. It's the Lamb of God who washes away the sins of the world. It's the Lamb of God. There's force behind the Word of God when it's of the Holy Spirit. I've heard this many times. People have said this about me. Well, what we like about you, or they'll say, what we don't like about you is you tell it like it is. Well, is there another way? Would you like me to tell it like it ain't? Come on. Tell it like it isn't. Do you know Israel told the prophets that? We don't want to hear it. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us exactly what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. Because they were trying to escape conviction so they wouldn't have to confess anything. So they they didn't believe they needed any cleansing. Are you doing that now? See, one thing, I can look around the room and everyone go, yeah, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And not have one lick of desire to do what he wants you to do. Because remember, this process produces a product. Okay? So what's the product? We're not there yet. So what happens? So conviction comes by the preaching of the Word of God, preaching it as it is, say. And then you must accept that you're wrong, ask forgiveness, and turn away from that wrong. So that you can be cleansed, the only way you can be cleansed, by faith in what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Okay? And then, the next step is consecration. The fourth C, consecration. So what's consecration? Basically, it's finding and doing God's will. Not your own, like we said earlier. Not good things. A lot of people do good things in the church and they're actually looking for a pat on the back or they're flexible enough to give themselves the pat on the back. It's true. It's true. You start feeling good about yourself. Listen, that just tells me one thing. God didn't do anything. The Lord's not behind what you did because true Doing of the will of God produces patting God on his back, thanking God and praising God and worshiping the Lord for what he's done through you. Consecration says, Lord, I give up my will to know and do yours. I give up my ways to follow your ways. Your ways are higher than mine. I need your ways affected in my life. The world won't see you until I live your way. So that takes in what? It takes in other things like when you're seeking God's will, 
God begins to lead you down certain paths. And you have to choose the one he chooses for you. Right? That's simple. If you choose the right way, consider your ways. If you choose the right way, then something's going to happen in your life proving that you went through the process of conviction, confession, cleansing, and consecration. And that's conversions. People get saved. Conversions. I heard Dr. Stone, when he was down at Jimmy Swagger Bible College many years ago, make this statement to his students. He actually asked him a question. His question was this. What's the fruit of an apple tree? Oh, all the hands went up. I know that one. It's an apple. No, no. You know what the fruit of an apple tree is? Another apple tree. Another apple tree. The apples fall off. The seeds get spread. More apple trees grow, right? So when you come to... to consecrate your life to Jesus, all kinds of things start happening. The fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of God, becomes your character. In other words, his character is installed and instilled in you. You start becoming like Jesus, and it's an automatic thing when you have faith. You want God's will, and because of that, he will give you the fruit of the Spirit or his character. And number two, the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the gifts of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit come during this consecration process and produce another person like Jesus produced in you. Right? So, we go to, why are you not building my house? Isn't that what it said? Why are you not building my house? You build your own houses. You leave here with your so-called worship, and you go build your life. You build it up nice and strong. But who's building my house? We are told to seek first the kingdom of God, meaning seek first to do what God wants you in that kingdom to build that kingdom. We are not here to build our portfolios. We are here to build the kingdom of God. Ouch, that hurts. You stepped on my toes. Well, good, I did my job. You step on my toes an awful lot. Good, I do my job really well then. We are here to build the kingdom of God. We cannot do that without God's spirit. We cannot do that. But understand the process in you must take place before through you it can take place in another life. They will sit back and watch you playing with the world And they're going, okay, that's Christianity. Just go to church, say a prayer here or there, make sure you you bless that food before you eat it. And then 
go do what you want to do. They see that. So when you try to witness to Jesus, that's what they see, that's what they believe Christianity is. It's these conversions. Are you even telling anybody about Jesus? Are you leading anybody into the kingdom of God and when they're in there, are you giving them the training that they need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or are you keeping Jesus to yourself? If you're keeping Jesus to yourself, that shows you're ashamed of him. If you're afraid to tell other people about Jesus, the fear that you have is based on the shame that you have of him. Oh my goodness, at work, if they just know I'm a Christian, oh my goodness, I'm just going to hear all the nasty jokes, all the pokes and everything else. They're just going to harass me for it. Oh boy, that's when I love it. When they're harassing you, God is blessing you. When they harass you for your faith in Jesus, God is pouring out blessings upon you. What's that song, Matthew? It, it says something about um, people who uh, harass you, and it doesn't say harass. It says another word. Find that song for What's that? Yeah. They, they criticize you. Yeah. They, they scandalize your name, on and on. We're, we're going to play that here in a, a moment. That's what the world will do if you step out in faith and be a witness of Jesus Christ. First, be the witness you should by having the character and power of God, knowing the word of God, number one. Number two, you step out in faith so that others see Jesus living in your life. And then when they see Jesus living in your life, they'll want the right Jesus. Amen? Amen? They'll want the right Jesus. You know the process, and you know the product. How far are you going to go? You can stop at each stage, but the product proves the process. Amen? Praise God. Fill the altars. And we're, we're going to fill our voices, our hearts with the praises of God. Hallelujah.